Free Time Podcast, a podcast all about doing content differently. On this week's podcast, I have got the absolutely awesome, amazing, love her to pieces, Janine Coombs on the show. She is a marketing coach. She uh, has some amazing content that she puts out. And today she is chatting to me about her three Ps and we are discussing all things marketing, pricing and pivoting a business plus a few other bits and pieces along the way. It's a really good chat. If you've not heard of Janine before, go and check out her website. It's going to be in the show notes. Oh, and she tells us all about her new program, which sounds absolutely brilliant and I think would really help a lot of listeners on this show. So, as usual, some actually useful podcast show notes, free for you to download, no email required. They are in the show notes on my website, which is www.indiaessentials.co.uk forward slash podcast. If you can't find them, it is episode 38 and it's with Janine Coombs. So I've done enough of a babbling long intro for this episode. Let's get on into it. Uh, I'm going to start with your Janineisms then. Janineisms, your brand voice. Oh, yes. Was that, was that intentional or is it just that's how you developed your brand voice because it's you? I want to say I did it on purpose, but I think I found my brand voice, which is me. It's how I speak. I found it through using LinkedIn, you know, I started off at link- on LinkedIn and like everybody else or like the vast majority of people, I was nervous and tentative to get going and it took me a while to get comfortable on there and comfortable posting and sharing stuff. And over the course of six months to a year, maybe, I, I developed my brand voice and because of I am, I do have a, a corporate marketing background, I kind of made sure that I, I uh, wrote it down so that I, if I was working with a copywriter, like your good self, I could say, this is my brand voice. And these are the types of phrases I use. And I don't use phrases like this. And I do use phrases like that. And I, um, it made, it helped me because I, I always have a hankering for stuff that we used to use, like the Bible when I was in corporate. And tone of voice is absolute key to any brand really so I was keen to have one myself and to have a lovely brand document as well <laughs> um, I like the Janineisms you can see it on every single page it's just like a little thing and I'm like oh that's what that's what makes it so did you have a LinkedIn page then before you had a website oh I don't know I don't know uh I think I had a crappy website that I made myself before I had I probably had the LinkedIn profile from, you know, years ago, as we all did, um, which, you know, like CV, really bad CV. It was always out of date. And then I probably set up my website on my own. It was awful. It was so bad. I didn't want to share it with anybody. Um, and then I started using LinkedIn. And then I had a good website built, uh, like a one that I was proud of built. So, yes. It's important to have a good website built, isn't it? Rather than a... Yeah. I mean, I think... I feel like I did it at the right time. Um, and I did want a, I mean, again, I probably went 
more advanced than I need than I needed to at the time. But I'm, you know, at least it was done then. I have to say it wasn't that expensive. I found a really good person who did my brand design and my website design all in one, which is what I was looking for. But it felt really good once it was done. I was like, yes, this is a coherent brand. You know, I've got a look and feel. I've got a tone of voice. Um, it, it 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 made me feel really good, and I did feel like you know, as a as a you know trained marketer, I I needed that for my self esteem. <laughs> but I think that's important though, because it shows that you do the stuff you talk about for yourself, which, as we know, is the hardest to do for yourself because you can do it for other people easily doing it for yourself is impossible Mm. but like even your images look like they're part of that it's not brand voice but they're they're part of that brand you can see and it's impossible not to smile at them so how much your image is part of that is consciously your brand or it's just you being you it is definitely me being me um and yes it is now part of my brand but it wasn't part of my first the, the design work that I got done originally, the images of myself c- came after the secret marketing show because I was doing thumbnails for the secret marketing show and it made sense to have a, a still or a screen grab of me in the video and I'm doing all sorts of crazy, silly things in the video. So it made, made sense to be, you know, to to tie in with that obviously it had to come from the video the thumbnail and then I thought well why aren't I using these photos for everything else so that's where that came from so I would like to say yes it was all very strategic and it planned from the word go um, but it absolutely wasn't and it, it happened a little bit by accident um yes so it, it developed but now it's definitely and it's lucky in a way that um, they go together quite well because my brand assets are quite splashy and splatty and colourful and they go very nicely with my wacky photos. They totally do. And I love that how it all works well together. And I think it's quite nice that it was a happy accident. Yeah. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It was a total accident. But then again, I did, you know, when I did the original brief, there was no way I was going to say to my designer, um, can I have a corporate design that is very, very dry and, you know, down the line and professional and grey? And I was never going to do that anyway. So I suppose it's, you know, it was, it was on, on tone, you know, for me. Always. I guess it braces people before they actually meet you. <laughs> I feel like you're trying to be nasty, but I don't, you know, no, no. you're not insulting me. So whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have been told that when people meet me in real life, they're like, oh, you're just the same. So I, I don't think I'm more wacky than I am online. No, you're not. I know. I, no, I don't think you're wacky, wacky online either. I think that it's a good thing because if you want someone who's like straight and dull and boring they'll be very disappointed if they got you if that's yeah. what they wanted yes. and I want to point out to people that you don't need to be wacky as well if all your millions of listeners um because um I I, I I sometimes on a rare occasion I get a client who's like oh god you know uh how do I show up online I don't feel that I'm that interested I'm not I don't feel like I'm that interesting. 
I'm not um, a loud person. I'm not sort of like a wisecracking person. Um, so you can have a lovely, strong brand without being wacky and silly and super colourful. You can, you know, you can totally have a expressive, full of personality brand without being wacky. I, I think it's because the people we see online, like front and centre, are the really loud people that are there all the time and full of life yeah maybe but you do you do see some calmer people cutting through which is always nice it's not you know you've got to have a mixture haven't you you do because people need different things don't they Mm. yeah you need to get along with who you work with and relate to them yeah true and, it, you know, I do attract, sometimes I get somebody who's a bit calmer that's attracted to me. And equally, when I'm looking for coaches and consultants, I have in the past, I've chosen a complete mix. Some of them are really, really energetic and bubbly and outgoing. And other people are the complete opposite. And they're very calm and introverted and, you know, thoughtful. It's it's depends on what I feel like I need for myself and my business at the time, I suppose. I guess you sometimes need to balance it out, don't you? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping this is, I, I probably much know the answer. What's better, a personal brand or a business name that's not linked to your personal brand? I think this is, um, ooh, you've caught me off guard. This is a really good one uh, because I'm sure a lot of people do wor- worry about this when they're first deciding their name. I must admit, I did try and come up with something and for a bit I was going to be I was going to be working under the name feel good marketing which was related to how I wanted people to feel and it related to the problem I felt like I was trying to solve at the time you know we're talking a few years ago now so I've evolved quite a bit since then um but I'm glad I didn't go with it because it would be it would be it's it wouldn't fit at all with what I'm doing now um because I'm not actually helping people with what they perceive to be marketing now I'm helping them much more specifically with their offers and um you know wherever they are on their their business journey I have a I have a you know service for them I have a service for them um but uh yeah yeah I'm glad I went with janinecoombs.co.uk much easier much uh easier to develop and pivot and test things out and try things out so but I I know people who have always wanted to um build a business so I've got a friend who was a creative who wanted to build a creative agency so he was a copywriter he is a copywriter but I can see he's he's doing that he's he's called himself um a specific name from the word go and controversially even though there was only one of him to begin with he always referred to his company as we which I know is is generally considered in copywriting terms a bit of a no-no especially like on your website and when you're writing social media posts um but he did have he had a he had a distinct uh personal brand if we can call it that of himself he turned up as himself and he interacted for instance on LinkedIn as himself but then he would refer to his company as we and now he does have a team and it's he's going for slightly bigger companies um you know SMEs and bigger and he's an agency and he's building an agency and that's always what he wanted to do. So I think that's an example where it's, you know, a, a brand name, a business name was better for him. It was a better choice for him. I guess using the we thing is perception, isn't it? 
So if you perceive yeah. someone's business to be bigger than just one person, yeah, and that's what you're looking for, then it makes a difference. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes, you know, you get you get solo coaches and consultants um, who never intend to build massive businesses. They maybe they have like a you know support staff eventually, but they always want to be their own company. However, they decide to call themselves a brand name because it encapsulates perfectly what they want to put across and, you know, they, they resonate with it for some reason. And, and you know, that's, that's fine for them too. Um, in my experience, uh, it's, it, it can um, limit your options when you further down the line, but it depends how clear you are in the first place. I wasn't clear at all. <laughs> I'll be honest. Not clear I, at all. I wish someone had told me that years ago because, I was just like, oh, you've got a business, you need to have a business name. Because hmm. everyone I worked with at the time were contractors and then they all had their own special limited company names. And I was like, oh, I need one of those. So hmm. I just don't think that's hugely what It's not widely known unless you're in the space and you know about that anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Indie Essentials is good, I like that. Oh, thank you. And it's, and it's versatile. But it's a good job, really. <laughs> when I finally figure out what I do, just kidding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, but it does like, lead me on to because you have tweaked your services recently as a marketing coach. Like when I first met you and worked with you, you did slightly different. You were attracting a slightly different audience for a slightly different service. So, what has been your process between where you started to where you are now? And why have you gone through that? Yes. Oh, gosh. I feel like it, there could be a feature film about it. <laughs> Go for it. Tell us all about your new service really. and it's everything. Um, I, um, I've always been at, uh, having my eye open for, you know, like I am, a, I am an ex-corporate person. I did, did do a business degree and I've, it was always drummed into us, sort of find find a solution that fills a hole. You know, ideally, it would be um, something that's that's not highly served. You know, it's not highly competitive. You know, if you come up with something and you think, okay, somebody's got a problem and nobody's really helping them, then that is brilliant. And I've always had this sort of challenge that I have challenged myself and nobody else. You know, I don't know what has been driving me apart from the voices in my head. <laughs> to try and find this thing and I you know it's I've been torturing myself with all these different ideas and um I think I just I just I went through the phase where I was trying to help people with lead generation which honestly is not has never been my main focus not even in corporate was I in lead generation in sales it was more um it was I mean it was more offers it was more service propositions and offers and especially towards the end um so I went through I went through a year or so of of marketing myself as a marketing coach which was getting closer because it was brought it was broader and it allowed me to relax a bit I think is the truth I just needed to calm down and just let things settle and see how I work with people and let my I mean as it when I look back on it what I was helping the vast vast majority of clients with was 
propositions and offers and packaging up services in an attractive way and you know what I consider the three points of you know the three parts of creating a really attractive service which is I call it my three p's which is my promise package and price because you know three p's it's always nice to have a bit of alliteration isn't it um and also you can riff off the fact that it's a p it's a p it's a p marketers love p's i mean this is this is aside from the formal four p's of marketing seven p's of uh service marketing which um so i've you know taken a bit of liberty there because they're they're different they're different p's most janine's three p's three p's of the of offer creation of compelling offer creation um so the pro, the promise is the messaging um the package is the sort of the nuts and bolts backing up that emotional reaction with rational reasons why they would buy from you and the price is the price obviously because people do get a little bit of a pickle when it comes to pricing and it's one of my favoriteest things to do with people because it's a little bit mindset and it's a little bit how people perceive you and it's a little bit how you feel about it and it's it's a lot how much money do you want to earn how much money do you need to earn and I think this is so important because it takes so many people a long time to get to that point and they'll just look at whatever everyone else is charging Mm. and use that as a marker for what they should charge yeah. And I mean, when you're starting out, you know, fine, just anything that gets you going and gets you off the starting block. Um, but there are so many freelancers, it tends to be more freelancers, but there's still loads of service-based business owners as well that do this, you know, charging by the hour. And and then and then I see so many people sort of, that them trying to move away from it and they're sort of looking out for other solutions and then they latch onto like power power hours which can be fabulous but it's then sometimes I see people getting stuck in the power hour power out gosh it's terribly difficult to say that isn't it power hour um and I see some people it seems to be my perception of it is that they certain people are using it as their main offer um some manner of one-off low-cost thing one and done and um I know some people who manage to you know they have a fabulous power hour with a client and they go on to buy something bigger the key here is you have to have something bigger for them to buy um and you have to not position the power hour as it's going to solve all your solution or or your problems because if they go away and you haven't solved all their problems then they're gonna not think that you're you've delivered what you promised and if you haven't Oh, sorry, if you have, then they, they feel like, you know, they're, they're sorted. So why would they pay for anything bigger? So there's 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 more complexity to that to power hours than you might think. I'd never thought of it like that. And if I go back to your thing of people charging by the hour um, and struggling to get away from that, I think it's because when you're pitching for work sometimes, the question that comes back is, well, what's your hourly rate and what's your day rate? Mm. and how to negotiate that around to why well, don't charge an hourly rate or a day rate. It is, I mean, the thing is, it is a massive shift in business model. So it can be, I think you can have packages and you can have hourly rates, I do. I think you, I think they can run alongside each other. But um, usually the, the clients who I, I work with who are at that 
uh, decision point that they are they are ready to move away from alley rates completely. But yes, I mean, for instance, if you're charging £35 an hour, £25 an hour, uh, and then you do a power hour that's, that's £99, it probably feels quite good to begin with. It's like, wow, somebody's paid me 100 quid instead of £25. So that feels really, really good. But it can't last forever because you 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 can be burning through all your leads with this one and done sort of relatively low priced offer. I saw on a Facebook group last week someone asking about pricing for power hours and she was charging her hourly rate of £25 an hour for her power hour. And I felt really sorry for her because like the entire Facebook group seemed to jump on her and go, you're so undercharging for this. Yeah. But that must have been really overwhelming for her to understand that she needed to charge for the value, not the time. Yeah, exactly. It is. It's the value, not the time. And products, we don't seem to mind that. It's like, oh, okay, you've got a, a handbag and it's it's high quality um high quality materials and an experienced designer has designed it and it's made in this country and da 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 and I'm willing to pay you know thousands of pounds for it I'm not but some people do um but when it comes to services it's, it becomes very emotional doesn't it yeah. very emotional it's like oh my gosh am I saying that I am worth thousands of pounds people are going to tell me that I'm not worth thousands of pounds and um it becomes you know I've everybody's gone through it I've gone through it well, maybe not everybody. There's some people that don't seem to care. And they're just like, yeah. I wonder if it's tied, though, to when you're employed because you get paid a salary or an hourly rate. And mm. so when you stop being employed, you've got nothing else to work from. Mm. Yes. Yes. There's there's so much baggage around it. Um, charging becomes very, very emotional, doesn't it? But, um I love I love digging into it because they people come out with um, their so their beliefs, but they they phrase them like facts. It's like, well, I can't do this because of that. You're like, can't you? Why can't why why can't you do that? Is that real? Is that what you've just said? Is that fact? Do you know that? Have you asked that person? Do you, have you ever done? You know, I love it. And you can see all their excuses crumbling. It's like, oh. <laughs> I like that. I can tell you're so passionate about this. But we totally got off why you've tweaked your business into this the new offering you've got. Ah, yes. Yes. So, yeah, we went off on slight tangents. We did go off on a tangent. I said we'd go off on tangents. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So... I had a year or so of um, being a marketing coach and, and seeing how that fitted. And, um, you know, marketing's all about testing. So I was testing the water and, 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 and then I did, I just let, I let, I let things bob to the surface. I just calmed down, stopped thrashing about, let what I wanted to do bob to the surface. And it, it turned out that for many years, including the end of my corporate, I have been helping people with offers. So that is what I'm doing that is me. I am an offers expert and um, I am putting together my first group program. Actually, it's not my first group program, but it's my first group program of this type. I'm, I'm using all the, the bits and pieces that I've developed from working one-to-one -one with people on offer creation and offer positioning. So some of my 
clients who've been in business a bit longer it's they've got they've got packaged up services it's more about the positioning of them and um the fine tuning and value ladders and that kind of thing but my group program is for people who are who have been dabbling with offering packages and packaged up services that um it's it's a bit of a slog to sell they they sort of feel like they're they're trying they know that they're trying too hard they're having to try too hard so that is starting in september 2021 and how can someone sign up for this you can email me at janine at janinecoombs.co.uk i have got a sales page which is about to go live and if if i had a mouse that worked i could tell you that the url for that is janinecoombs.co.uk forward slash your dash sizzling dash hot dash offer it's a bit long <laughs> I, did, I didn't talk to my um uh, web designer about the url <laughs> you can put a bit of a link on it though and hide well, it I could and be a link. maybe i'll just duplicate it and do something like y-s-h-o instead I'll put it in the show notes though, and then people can just click oh, on it. Oh, thanks. You're you're great, you are. <laughs> it's it's interesting, it's that it it does feel really good. It feels this new this sort of refreshed, tighter positioning does feel like a clicking into place for me. Um and I think you can feel that I can think you can feel that from my um my more recent social media content and my sales page and soon to be my new um homepage when I get that copy done as well. Well, on your current homepage, you've got the phrase, better results for much less effort, which I really like. But are you saying people are putting too much effort into marketing at the moment and they need to do less? And as a follow-up to that, where are people wasting their time? So I see that the reason I use that phrase is kind of wider than marketing and it still it still applies when you're looking at your offers as well because if you are if you are you know it's it's it applies to people who are charging by the hour and they could be packaging up the services if they're already offering services they could be um looking at their services and making sure that they are you they have some options for people to work with them longer term so i mean that's it that sounds like an obvious thing to do, but um, so many people are—they they sort of assume that, for instance, oh, people won't want to work with me if they've never worked with me before. They'll only want to work with me for a few weeks just to test the water first, and so I'll offer them something that's four weeks long, and then maybe they'll convince themselves, okay, maybe maybe they'd be willing to do three months, um, and then you sort of you sort of awkwardly, um, you know, extend it when you get more confident. But the question to ask yourself is. What is best for your client? If they have a really big problem that you know that you need to really dig into with them and it's going to take ages and you're going to, they're going to need a week or so in between calls to really digest it and to do research and to think about it and brainstorm, then what is better for them? Because for some clients, it will be to work with you for a year. So why not put a package together that allows you to deliver the best service you possibly, possibly can and help them in the best possible way and get them to properly where they want to be rather than doing some sort of compromise that means that you're you're stressing them out because you're like, oh my God, we've only got two weeks left together and you haven't done all the homework. And it's like, ah. So it's what does your client need? What is, 
And sometimes it's short, you know, sometimes people want a quick turnaround. So using copywriting as an example or, or a web um, website created really short. I mean, that's probably a bad sign, really. But um, <laughs> if somebody wants a website within a week, however, let's imagine they're a unicorn client and they have a clear brand and a clear tone of voice and they know exactly who their ideal client is and they know exactly what their services are. And they, but they wanted the website turned around in a week. Honestly, they should be paying more for that, shouldn't they? Oh my goodness, yes. So it's it's funny. People seem to it's all tied up with price again, pricing again. They think, oh God, people are not going to want to pay more, and they're not going to want to work with me for very long. But actually, it's like get you know just calm down and get clear on what they actually want. Because if it's massive results overnight, they're going to have to pay for that because you're going to be working your little things to the bone for them. And if you think that actually to resolve their problem properly, they need to work with you for six years. I don't, I haven't seen any services like that, but it's, it's conceivable, <laughs> isn't it? Um, then, then that's, I mean, here's an example. Um, we were talking earlier about before the call started, we were talking about me hiring a lease, hiring an electric car. Mm-hmm. Well, for them to make that affordable, they are putting, they've put out some leases that are three and four years long because they've realised that some of their clients don't want to pay 500, 600 pounds per month for a Renault Zoe, Um, but they might be willing to pay 200, 250 per month, but pay over three or four years. So there's an example. Boom. That is a good (laughs) example. (laughs) But I guess it's hard to think in in those terms. Uh, I guess it depends on what your service is really, doesn't it? It does, and there's so many variations, so it's difficult to be broad brush. And I'm sure there's, there'll be some people listening saying, oh, it doesn't apply to me. But I would, I would challenge most people, really, <laughs> because there's always things you can learn, you know, cross-pollinate, you know, you, you can learn things from product-based businesses. Um, if you're, if you're a, like a done-for-you freelancer, you can learn from the way some coaches and consultants do it and vice versa. You can get inspiration. And the point is you can do anything. You can do, you can make offers. You don't have to do, right, I've got a one-to-one, I've got a group program, I've got a membership and I've got a DIY course. You know, that's the only options. You can do anything you want. You can do combinations. You can do something, Any anything. I've seen one coach uh, who's selling just days of Voxer for, for people and they just they can access her on a messaging app for a day and she charges a princely sum for that. Oh, really? Works, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's charging hundreds, hundreds and hundreds for that. Um, doesn't mean that you you have to or I have to. We do whatever we want. That is the best thing about running your own business. Yeah, do what you want. Do what you want. And you see people slagging people off. Ow! I saw one person saying that she got uh, insulted, I think is the word, for for having a seven at the end of her price. And they said it was a ridiculous, it was a ridiculous price. You've got a seven at the end. What what, what is this? It's just like, I'll do what I want. (laughs) Just go back to that, because you told me about the client red flags and that you put, those red flags into your content which I thought is genius but also you you've taught me to say no to people which yeah I'm, I don't do it all the time sometimes I say yes to people that I shouldn't say yes to I, and that I really really should say no to but 
it's a learning curve. But I really yeah. like that putting those red flags into the content so you can turn people away. And since yeah. you told me yours, I can see them in your content. I'm like, oh, can you? Oh, lovely. I love it. Yeah, you can have green flags where, where you're like, oh, this person, you know, if I say this, I know I'm going to get a good quality of client. You know? And you can be very overt with it. And likewise, the red flags, if people have said phrases in the past and they've turned out to be horrible clients for whatever reason, and you look back and think, I should have known because of that phrase they said, put that in your copy. Um, and I always love doing um, a quite standard um, section on a sales page is, this is for you if, this is not for you if, and you can put them in there. I mean, you know, put them anywhere. I think that's good. And again, I saw this in, I don't just spend my days sitting on Facebook groups, but I saw this in a, a Facebook group as well. Someone had said they started working with a client um, and in the discovery call, they'd said something like, oh, we've been through a previous designer for this before. And she said, yeah, she said, that should have really been my red flag. And like pretty much everyone in the group was like, yes, that should have been your red flag. But that never occurred to me as a red flag until quite recently that someone saying oh we've been through a couple of people before now if anyone says that I'm like I'm, oh, I'm fully booked I'm afraid yeah yeah that sounds like a really good one people who blame and I've been through this phase in my life you know there's not many mistakes I haven't made in my life I think um but um, I've been through this uh, sort of blaming other people kind of phase in my life I think I was young foolish <laughs> but it doesn't help does it you want people you want to work with people who are taking responsibility for their decisions and taking responsibility for their success and they're going to work and they're going to they're going to you know brief you properly and they're going to do the work that you suggest for them that's that's the kind of people that I I reckon most people want to work with absolutely and you bring up another important point there that you talk about in your content which is good which is the importance of a brief Ooh. which I don't think many people realize because the work you do can only ever be as good as your brief that you're given Mm. yeah yeah it's 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 I was going to say it's a bit of an art form briefing but actually it's just all the work that you need to do to get the clarity in your own head before you brief somebody else because if you're not clear how on earth is your outsourcer going to be clear and I've done it. I've done a brief for people before and it's like, oh, I'm not 100% clear myself, but I really want this, you know, this updated, whatever it is, um, which is fine. You know, you get you get a result that's not quite right, but you've got to accept responsibility for that. I like to think that people who work with me become ideal clients for outsourcers because it's like, right, okay, we, we're really clear what you're selling now. We're really clear on who, what problems you're solving, um, key phrases, key words and phrases, you know, maybe even noticing some of those green and red flags we were talking about. And um, at the end of it, when they say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm working, I'm going to brief a copywriter now, I'm like, oh, lucky sods, I've done half their work for them. <laughs> you could tell, you can totally tell if someone has got this, has got this idea. So half the people that I'll work with, I'll go, have you got um a brand voice or ton of voice guidelines and i fully sit there expecting a no but more and more i'm getting oh actually yes we have we've just recently done it can i thanks for asking can i send it over yeah 
So the more I see, the more I'm like, oh, more people are getting this. This is good. Yeah. And it doesn't take too long. Um, if you're really new to business, it, it'll you might struggle a bit. But if, you, if you're used to writing for yourself on social media, I think that's probably where a lot of it's coming from because you find your own tone while you're writing. And then it's, and then it's easier to say, oh, actually, I tend to use these phrases and I tend to, um, you know, avoid, for instance... I, I use low-level swear, swear words. I don't ever use hard swear words. I don't know why. I've just decided that's how my brand voice is going to be. But you you notice other people using um, hard, the hard stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the F words and things. And, and you're like, that's fine. That's their brand voice. It's not my brand voice. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you are very clear on what your brand voice is. Yeah. So I will say crap. Which puts some people off. Some people are like, ooh, that's not free. That's not, mm, I'm not sure about that. Well, that's fine. Don't read my stuff. <laughs> they can scroll on by. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I do want to talk about, about your blogs as well, though, because you don't have loads of blogs on your site. They seem very strategic and for questions that people might actually want to know the answers to um how do you approach getting that level of content right between like having blogs for seo and i do want to ask about your seo number one google ranking which is amazing and you know how, how do you get that right because so many people produce too much content and wrap themselves in knots around it mm um do you think that people can produce too much content why is it too much because they're they're tearing the hair out you know like absolutely running yeah. out you know, using up their time writing content that's not necessarily giving them results is that what you mean yeah people wasting their time spending three hours every week writing a 500 word blog that about five people read and does absolutely no value to their business or bring anyone a result in any sort of sales yeah. and they do it because they feel like they have someone somewhere has said you have to have content this is what content marketing looks like and this is how yeah. it works and I just sit there and think oh, do you need it do you re-? given that I do this for a living and this puts me out of business I, I have said to someone before no I'm not doing this because you don't need it mm. I like the money but phew, I'd rather you had stuff that works Mm. yes so personally to answer one of your questions I feel like I'm not going to be able to answer all, all of them because um, I'm about to go off on a tangent again <laughs> but um, I don't feel that like I've got the ba- balance right yet I think I could be doing it I think I I could be doing more blogs I really have got into the blogging in the last few years though it's um, I love I love writing blogs. It's, it helps my own clarity as much as anything. Um, so I, I probably could be doing more, but um, I find I I am now strategic, at least. <laughs> Every single blog I write now, it's like, right, it's for this purpose. And really, that should be the case for any marketing communications you put out there, shouldn't it? If you're going to write a social media post, what is the point? What is the point? What do you want people to think, feel, say, do? As a friend of mine says, think, feel, do. I think his thing is. Um, 
that is that is the core of communications what is the point and it, you know for instance i put a post yesterday of a picture of me meeting a friend locally well there was a point to that post it was to break up the sales posts <laughs> it was to show my face it was um you know and my face is my brand so it's it was a you know a bit of an engagement thing as well it was get a bit of engagement other posts I post or, or blogs I write is specifically for sales. It's like I'm trying to promote something specific, like my group program that I was talking about. Um, but it might be other bits. You might have um, – I've written some posts before um, that are – that show how deeply I think about my topic area and how much I know about my top, topic area. And, you know, if you read one of my blogs, they are they, – they're, none of them are very short. None of them are short. Um they just showcase my expertise and that is obviously a good thing as well I have never written a blog purely for SEO I mean I think even SEO experts would agree that you should write write blogs to be written to be read not only for SEO yeah 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 Yeah. okay that's good um but I did, you're referring to, um, I don't know whether I'm still ranking for it, but I did rank number one on Google for marketing coach, which was an accident, I'm ashamed to say. <laughs> it was an accident. It was an accident. And I, I wrote a post, a blog post called, What is a Marketing Coach? And again, confession, um, I was kind of answering the question for myself because I was like, what, what is do I want to call myself a marketing coach? What is a marketing coach? Let's answer all those questions. And um, I did, I had at that point understood the importance of including keywords in, in headers and tags and that kind of thing and alt tags. And so I, I knew a bit about SEO. Not, I'm still not an expert by any stretch. Um, and I just was amazed that you got to, you know, you, you put in Google, uh, marketing coach and I came up absolutely well I was the snippet in fact so if you put in marketing coach then I would come up as the snippet what is a marketing coach that is brilliant because there are people who will be paying good money to try and get that it was an accident it was an accident but um you know as with all things you sort of you let it I let it settle I, I did some other posts to try and hit that keyword as well to sort of secure my spot and I did have I did have um inbound leads um through that article and through that ranking um and some of them converted into really lovely customers um but generally speaking the mix was off so that was one of my indicators that actually um I always had an inkling I always had a feeling that marketing coach was far too broad for what I wanted to be known for and what I wanted to do with people um yeah, my ideal customer now for my sort of three levels of service, none of them are typing in, you know, marketing coach, you know, marketing coach near me. None of them are, none of them are doing that. Um, I just wanted to remind you that if you do want to download the actually useful podcast show notes, where you can put some of those tips into action in your own business, you can do so absolutely for free, no email required. You just go ahead over to my website and download them. The link will be in the show notes. Um, next week uh, is a little mini episode and I'm talking all about what it takes to make a good newsletter which is something that's cropped up in conversation recently 
and um, yeah, I think it's pretty important for for all businesses, and it's sometimes quite tricky to get right. So we're going to have a look at that next week. It's a quick ten minute episode, so have a great week, and I will see you then. Bye.